Terry Oakley-Smith is the MD of Diversity. Uh, Terry, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Cathy, and to all the listeners of SAFM. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on, Terry, and I think an important time for us to take a step back and try and, I suppose, reflect on the project of reconciliation, reflect on where we are as uh, as a society. When one thinks or looks back on our history, you know, and the day that Madiba would have left prison 30 years ago and the kind of dream that he would have had for South Africa today, and not just by himself. I believe, supported by many others in this country on the kind of unity, the kind of humanity that we would have towards each other. Are we there? Are we living up to that, you know, image of a reconciled nation? You know, I think it's a a very difficult question. And when you invited me this morning, I think I thought of all the other reconciliation days going back to then when I was in speaking on various platforms. And I think it's fair to say, Cathy, that we're not the same country that we were under apartheid. But I think it's also fair to say that we have a very long way to go still if we're going to build a united country. For me, reconciliation, and perhaps it's my religious or my Catholic upbringing, goes hand in hand with penance or recompense. And I think the difficulty we have in finding genuine reconciliation in South Africa is that that has never happened. We, as white people, got off scot-free in 1994. Indeed, many of us, I'm sure, would agree we have lifestyles that are compatible or even better um, than the lifestyles we had back in 1994. So while that remains, I think it's going to be very difficult for there to be any reconciliation. And also when you talk about a reconciliation project, Cathy, I think the other thing that's been missing is that there hasn't been any project. It's something we've talked about. It's something that we've aspired towards. Mm, But mm. there's never been the hard work involved in saying we're going to do this. We want to reconcile as a country, obviously between races, but also between other things, religions, gender, if you look at gender-based violence. Now, how are we going to do that? Let's have a strategy. Let's have a project. And I think as long as we leave it kind of up in the air as a wish and an aspiration, we're not going to be able to take it very far. I want to pick up on the issue of the role of white people um, Mm. in the project of reconciliation. And one of the things that you as diversity have been talking a lot about recently is this concept of white allyship. And speak to us a little bit about what that is, Terry. Yes, I mean, it's been very interesting. And we were approached by some companies who I suppose in the spirit of reconciliation, and also because it makes business sense, wanted to ensure somehow that their employees got along a lot better so that working relationships would improve. And ultimately, of course, uh, let's not be naive, the bottom line would improve. So we've developed a program which is directed specifically at white people in organizations. It helps them 
because it's facilitated by white people as well. It's relatively a non-threatening process. But it helps them to really sit down and talk through a facilitator with what it means to be white in South Africa, what it means from a historical perspective, and what it means now. And to unpack some of those terms that we hear a lot about, white fragility, whiteness, what do all these things mean? And having understood um, what these things mean, what can we do? We can't be black. That's never going to happen. But surely as white South Africans, the minority that we are, we can do something to build relations in the workplace, in NGOs, in schools, in universities, by becoming allies. So while we're not black, we stand behind our black colleagues. We support them. We understand them. We look at what they're going through, and we try where we can, where we can to be real allies in the struggle they still face daily um, in terms of racism. I mean, I don't think I know a single black person that doesn't experience racism still every day in some form or another. It doesn't always have to be the most severe form. It doesn't have to be a beating up or a being called the K-word. But in a myriad small ways, black people still experience racism. And we as white people need to learn what does it mean? How can we prevent it? What is our role in becoming anti-racist and building a country that is really reconciled? Terry, do you think that we have as a country a universal or even unanimous understanding of what reconciliation actually means? Now, I think that's such a good question, Cathy, because I think you've literally hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think that for some of us it means being friendly with other people, whereas for others it goes a lot deeper and it has to do with acknowledgement of the past and a need for redress. And obviously in South Africa it also has a lot to do with the issue of land. If we look at how the majority of black South Africans live, the appalling poverty, people living under the breadline with nothing at all, while we, most whites, probably nearly all whites, are still living in relative comfort, then we can say that there hasn't been reconciliation. Mm. For us, I think we often would prefer that first form of reconciliation where we can say, hi, but, and how are you, Baba? And just by being more friendly than we might have been in the past, we feel that we're getting towards reconciliation. Mm. But we're not being allies in the fight against non-racism, against anti-racism. And I think that's a significant difference. We're not really playing our part. I know that previously during the Mandela era, I mean, he particularly reached out a hand to us as whites. Um, and this was an act for which he wasn't universally praised by black colleagues. Mm. But the sad thing is that we were not on the other side reaching out our hands to take his hand and say, yes, let's build something together. Mm. We still saw ourselves as slightly separate. And Kathy, it's absurd. We only make up 8% of the population of South Africa. 
And yet we still own so much. We still have so much power. Mm. We're still in such important positions. And yet we can't, you know, somehow use our strengths, our abilities to work on this project that would mean real reconciliation. And the country would all benefit from Mm. that. We would benefit as human beings from that without having this terrible pall of injustice always over our heads. And let's face it, it is. The shame, the guilt, Mm. it's there. Terry, uh, uh, being able to do half of what you're talking about also requires a level of awareness, right? It requires a level of acknowledging that perhaps the way that things are isn't the way that they should be and agreeing with that and taking a step to try and correct it. When you hold these sessions that you were telling us about, is that the the the, the, the the awareness that people come to, does it change their minds about their positions in in society or even their views of why white privilege might be a problem, for example? Yes, you know, Cathy, you never get to everybody. Mm. One must be honest. There will always be people who who resist um, and refrain from wanting to engage in such a process. But I've been pleasantly surprised I would say even the majority of people, when given a chance to sit down and talk through these issues in a really honest way and in a non-threatening way, really, I find people want to come to the party. They want to continue it after my organization has left. We've heard from them months after saying, this is what we're doing. This is what we're finding. Mm. This has been a problem. How would you deal with that? So they really get it as a process because, you know, um, a two-day or one-day workshop, especially online because of COVID, Mm. isn't going to, isn't magic. There's no Mm. magic wand that Mm. goes with it. Mm. But the companies that realize it's a process where we can work with people in the company to train them to be um, the leading sort of um, people in this process, then it makes a difference. And, you know, Cathy, being a white ally, there's no badge that goes with it. Mm. You know, you can't sort of thumbs up, well done me, I'm a white ally. You can't call yourself a white ally. It's something that you earn. It's a recognition from the way you live in this world of ours Mm. in South Africa. Mm. So it comes at great price. It often divorces you from your family. And we find that very often that people find it very hard to talk about race with their family. Um, it can divorce you from your friends, even from your colleagues at work, from members of your church. So it, it demands a certain courage. But honestly, when I think of the courage of black South Africans who lost their lives during the struggle, I think it's a small thing um, that we have to show courage for and really stand up. Um, against racism and be there as allies at the forefront of this struggle. In the debates around land, in the debates around employment equity, Mm, we mm. need to stand up. Terry, you you also then would have a generation of young people, right, who um, were not part of apartheid, were not part of the struggle. And quite frankly, you know, they're saying, well, what do I have to do? 
with this project? Why must it be my responsibility to be able to do all of these things that you've spoken about when I wasn't the perpetrator of these mm -hmm. ills and of these offenses? You know, Kathy, I, I think you only have to look at what's happening in our private schools um, and no doubt in our public schools too, but particularly in our private schools. The issues that have reared up around race, um, around gender, around sexual assaults, um, to realize that we're not still living in a paradise. And young people have an enormously important role to play. In the schools that we're working in, you know, we find not only do people not understand what happened during apartheid, and in order to move beyond, there is a real need to understand. But they are dealing with some of the problems not the entrenched systemic problems their parents dealt with, but they are still dealing with problems of race. And therefore, for white, young white people who say, well, I wasn't even born then, it still means that it means they still have a role to play in ending racism, in understanding the struggles that their black classmates, um, their black friends on university campuses are going through, the microaggressions they have to live with, the, the implicit bias that's stated in, in the way people express themselves. So while it doesn't mean taking up arms, it means being prepared to put yourself on the line and understand your role as a white person who is against any kind of racism. Mm, mm, mm. Terry, with such a lovely conversation, we could go yes. on and on for forever. Uh, thank you so much for your insight this morning on uh, the talking point. I, I really appreciate your time and uh, I hope you have a wonderful uh, reconciliation day. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Cathy. Uh, Terry Oakley-Smith Oakley is the MD of diversity. So many things that I think she's, she's put out on the table just for us to, to reflect on, you know. Can the project of reconciliation be achieved where, when the country is still as unequal as it is today, where there's still so many things that are yet to be achieved for the majority of black South Africans? And, and listen to what Terry's saying. The, the responsibility that rests on white South Africans in order to be able to Take, you know, the step forward and and hold out a hand and be part of this project. And in what ways can and should white people be participating in this project of reconciliation?